We're going to look at a, at a portion of scripture that we used last, last week. Uh, we've labeled our church as a church on the move. There's always something going on. There's always things to do. And it's never a boring moment around here unless you're ca catching your breath to make the second adventure in, in the church world. And uh, it's just, it's just an awesome thing to see the working power of a church as we flow together, as we have fun together, as we cry together, and as we see God just working in all of our lives. And all, we're all under construction today. We're not the completed work of God. But aren't you glad that God gives us opportunity after opportunity to continue to serve him with joy and gladness in our heart? Last week, we ministered on the, the topic of waiting in the book of Acts after Jesus has shown himself alive through many infallible proofs. He could show the nail prints in his hand. He could show the, the side where the, the sword had pierced his side. He had all the proof that he was the one that died on the cross between two thieves. They took him to a borrowed tomb. Three days later, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus rose from the grave. He had prophesied. He said, you destroy the temple in three days, it'll raise again. And, and they had no ability to reach out and catch hold of the fact he was talking about him being the chief cornerstone. He spent 40 days showing himself alive. He wanted everybody to be convinced that he was a resurrection Lord. He wanted everybody to know that he was the one that bled and died on the cross for the remission of our sin. He had living proof. It wasn't a guesswork. It was living proof that he was the one that had paid the price for our sins. And then as he gathered together with his 12, he said, I want you to... Stay in Jerusalem. I don't want you to go home. I, I want you to stay. In fact, I'm getting ready to leave this world. And he said, when, when I leave, I don't, want you to, I don't want you leaving. I want you to be, assemble yourself in the upper room, and I want you to wait for the promise that I have promised to give. He said, it's expedient for, I go, for me to go away. If I don't leave, the comforter will not come. But when I leave, he's going to come. He's going to show you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to lead. He's going to direct you. He's going to give you strength, but you've got to wait. The clouds open heaven, of heaven. Jesus departs, and, and the, the men are looking in amazement. This same Jesus that, that has shown himself alive is gone again, but they remembered his words. Don't depart from Jerusalem, but return to the upper room and wait. How many in the building this morning, you would just be honest with you. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many would say you're just like the pastor? Waiting is like a curse word. I can see a few smiling. I can see a few wrinkling their face. Shame on you. Well, just let me follow you to Walmart and let me see how you react when the, they're training a new trainee and he's having a struggle or she's having a struggle uh, and can't make the register work. Better still, let me follow you to uh, uh, the traffic light, and let me be the car behind you, and the person in front of you doesn't realize that the light has turned green. But you can see what they're doing. They're just not looking at the light. And you've got to be at an appointment in five minutes, and it's about a seven-minute drive from where you're at to get there. Oh, yeah, waiting's my cup of tea. Me! Waiting's my cup of tea. If I, if I just had the right kind of a vehicle, I'd bump them. Waiting. Well, 120 returned to the upper room, and they waited. They followed instruction. 
Bible history tells us, if you look into the commentary, about 500 people heard the words of Jesus. Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. About 120 uh, returned to the upper room out of 500 people, and they began to pray and seek the Lord. And the Bible says there was a visitation that came from heaven. It's a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were seated. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And cloven tongues, like as a fire, set upon each of them as they spoke a language that they'd never been trained, they'd never been gone to school to, to speak. But it fell upon them, and they received the power of the uh, of the. And, and it was the res response of Jesus' word, wait for the promise. You follow the, I'd just like to follow one of the, on one of the 12, I'd just like to follow a, a gentleman that had denied Christ twice or three times. He said, Jesus, he's, he was telling Jesus all this good stuff. He said, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'll never depart from you. You can count on me. I'll, you can, I will always be there. Do you have a friend like that? Boy, if you need anything, just call me. And then you take them at their word, you call them. Boy, I'd sure love to, but I'm already committed. Well, I'll catch you next time. Next time you call this friend, listen, I've got something I need to do. Can you help me this, af this afternoon? If you just called me 15 minutes ago, I could have done that. I can see there's three of us that have those kind of friends. It's okay. That's okay. That's okay. No condemnation. Peter denied Christ. He even took... He even swore. He said, I don't know who you're talking about. He, he, Jesus had already prophesied, you're going to deny me. You're not the guy you say you are. But Peter is one of the 12. Jesus has departed. Je Peter's repented. Je Jesus has departed. And Peter's one of the 12, or one of the 120 in the upper room. And cloven tongues, like as a fire, set upon them. The power of the Holy Spirit enabled them to rise to a degree they'd never risen before. Following this into the next chapter, the Bible says Peter stands to preach to 3,000 people. 3,000 people were converted in the first message. The same guy that had cursed, the same guy that had denied Christ, the same guy that had fell on his face and, and his testimony wasn't worth the, the, the paper it was written on. Now he's been to the upper room. Something's happened. He's changed. And the words that he speaks brought spirit and they brought life into the life of people that heard him. And the, and the world, the, the church world began to change in, in that hour. Right? As I was re reflecting upon the uh, title Waiting this past week and thinking about some things that, that I had spoken to you, things began to churn my spirit on this word waiting. And I just want to make another attempt or another approach, as a pilot would say, you know, uh, a bad landing is never a landing if you're a pilot, if you can walk away. Some are smooth, some are rough, some are extremely rough. And then sometimes you get so close to the runway and something happens and you have to put the fuel to it and you have to go around. A go around is no sin. It means you just want another approach. And, I, and I'm thinking this week, about the word waiting. And I want to make another approach this morning, and I, I trust that we can all make a safe landing today. But I want, to, I, want to think, I want you to think with me this morning as we talk about waiting. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, beginning with verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. He was asking for money. Can you help me? I'd like to give you some thoughts on verse 1 and 2 before we go to the rest of the reading. It gives us some information that I want to talk about today. Peter and John were headed to the temple to pray at the ninth hour of the day. This is good information. There were still people that turned out for prayer meetings in that day. A certain lame man, we don't know his name, we don't know his heritage, but the Bible says a certain lame, lame man, lame from his birth, was carried to that location daily. I took some time and I looked, I'll begin to look in some commentaries to see approximately what age this person might have been. And Matthew's commentary is one that I, I re, rely upon quite often. And Matthew's commentary says that this man had to be in his 40s. He had been, he had been born lame, couldn't walk, couldn't take care of himself, had no ability to get out and hold down a job and make his own livelihood. But daily he was carried to the gate called Beautiful. His mission was to ask for money as people came to the temple to pray. And listen to me, even though he might have been a handicapped person, even though he might have not had a body that works like you and I might have, uh, would have today, he still knew where to go, didn't he? He still knew that people that prayed usually had a generous heart. And if they didn't have one going in, they usually had one coming out. Have you ever had that happen to you? You, looked upon, you heard the circumstances. Somebody was pleading for some money, for some help. And then you, you just kind of face it. I hear that every day. Or maybe you pull up to a traffic light and you see somebody with a sign out in the median, help wanted. Could you help me? I'm without a job. I'm a veteran. Could you help me? How many have been like me? You just saw them before you got there and you just turned to look the other way. You didn't have anything to stare about. You just didn't want to look at them. How many have made the block and came back? And, or maybe you're a little wiser. Maybe, uh, maybe you did this before. Lord, if they're there when I get back, I'll know it was you. Lord, I'm going to try the spirit because, you know, I, I, all I hear is about the deadbeats that, have the hand, that had their hand out and they're wanting help when they live in a better house than I live in. They have a nicer, nicer car than I have. And, you know, we hear all of that all the time. But I can tell you something, man looks on the outward appearance. But people that go to pray, God looks up on the heart. He sees the heart of all of us, but I can tell you, when people pray, they're not only making contact with the Lord, but the Lord in return is making contact with them. As I look at this, I think about a man that's in his 40s that's never been able to walk. He's never been able to go to a job like I enjoy working. There's nothing that is more challenging than a day's work. I just can't make that day as long as I used to, about eight hours, and I'm looking for a shade tree. I could usually at night string up some lights. I could keep going. I could usually start on Monday and not, not, turn, the light, not turn my lights out in my body and work Tuesday and go to Southern Tuesday night, and then but Wednesday I would crash. If I did that today, I'd crash at Redinger's. <laughs> Something happens in the process of time, and, and after a while, waiting is not a sin. In fact, you get to, used to waiting in the waiting room, and that's not too bad. Well, it would be bad for me if I'd been lame for 40 years, 
and I had to be carried to a gate. Somebody carried me. I didn't have the right to go, so I had to depend on somebody else to take me. I didn't have any way of getting home. I couldn't call a taxi cab. I couldn't call the, the shuttle bus. I couldn't call anybody. Only the person that laid me at the gate knew where I was at and knew when my day would be finished. A real challenge of waiting. Nobody would bring me a drink in the heat of the day in case that water bottle ran dry or I accidentally spilled it. So many things could have happened. But when he saw, verse 3 says, when this lame man who had no ability to walk or run, he only had the ability to converse with his mouth and allow people to respond to what he had to say. But when he saw Peter and John coming to the temple to pray, verse number 3 says, he asked, for money. He asked for alms. Let's, let's take our thoughts from this setting for a moment. If people attended prayer meetings then like they do today, just process that. He might have had a long wait. Peter and John might have been the only one that came that day to pray. You know, it's just not a fancy thing to call for prayer meetings. Because prayer is work. Prayer is stopping what you're doing to plug in to God's principle, to God's plan, to God's atmosphere, and just set aside time. I'm going to spend some time with the Father. I'm going to hang out with Him. And I'm going to let Him talk to me while I talk to Him. For some reason, our busy agendas are sometimes our worst enemies. Sometimes waiting, sometimes, sometimes waiting is like an era that pierces our lives. The lame man might have had long waits before between people that came to prayer. But at any rate, he saw Peter and John coming and he wasn't bashful. Only God knows they might have been the only one to come that day to prayer. He may have said, hey, fellas, could you help me? Or would you help me? I'm, I'm unable to help myself. I'm crippled. I can't work. In fact, I had to be carried here by a friend before he went to work. I've been here all my life, 40-some years. When I was old enough to be carried, they brought me here in order to help make my way. I'm unable to do anything for myself. I'm just depending on people that know how to pray. Could you help me? Could I pause this morning and... and just talk to you out of my heart. I, I've wondered as I've drove, driven through our community, how many people didn't go to the, to the gate called Beautiful? They don't even come to church. But inwardly, there's a cry in their heart. Is there anybody out there that would know what to say? Is there anybody that could help me today? I'm bogged down and I don't know which way to go nor who, which way to turn. After my dad left this world in an unusual way, time after time, the, the funeral director has had families to walk in with teenagers that have taken their lives and parents that have taken their lives and, and things have gone wrong and people lost hope and lost direction and they took things in their own hands. And then those that are called family and family members and friends gather to try to pick up the pieces. And they've asked our, our funeral director, is there anyone in the community that would know what to say? Without a doubt, I get the call. 
You want to sit down with those people that just can't fandom that something like this happening to their own family circle. If I could just have, if I could just have seen or caught a hint of what was going on, maybe I could have made a difference. If I could just, if I just stopped my world long enough to listen, maybe I, maybe I, 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 I missed the language that was being spoken by this person. It's always not in my ability, but it's always in the ability of the Holy Spirit that He's given me an audience for these people that maybe I'd never met, maybe I'd never crossed pathways before, but because we had something in common. I was called. I've learned this early in the ministry. I can never look at you and say, I know how you feel unless I've wore your shoes and I've been where you're at. And life's journey is like this. Many of you have been places that I'll ne I've never been and you've been to places I'll never go. And so God has equipped you to walk into other people's lives and a Christian and be a help in time of need because we're his hands, we're his mouthpiece, we're his feet. And he is, depend is depending on us after the day of Pentecost, he's enabled us with the power of the Holy Spirit to walk into other people's life and make a difference. The lame man says, I'm unable to do anything for myself. Would you help me? And I look at verse four in this scripture. I look at verse four and I don't have those notes to verse four. I've got two pages of the second page, so I'm just gonna read it from the, from the word. In chapter 3 of verse Acts, uh, of the book of Acts, fixing their eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. That would have been no challenge for a lame man that couldn't go anywhere. He wasn't going to walk out because it was 12 o'clock. He wasn't going to leave the, the congregation. He was there because somebody had carried him there. Let me ask you something. Are you here this morning because something carried you here? Will you be going somewhere tomorrow to meet some people because you were carried there by responsibility. Maybe it's just to a job. But did you know on the job place there are people that are crying out, is there anybody there that can help me? And while they may not be doing it vocally inside, they're crying out, is there anybody that would understand where I'm at? We have so many people this morning, they have, they, the enemy has sold them on a lie and, and they, they've been hooked on something that should have, the enemy, Tried to tell them it would be medication for their spirit, their soul. And in the meantime, it was nothing but a horrible letdown. And today, many people are addicted to something that's not a help. It's become an enabling for them to make the journey of life and finish it. Peter explained to the man, silver and gold, we don't have. But what we do have, we'd like to help you. Notice what... Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He didn't say, I'd like to help you. I know somebody can help you. But he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Notice what happens. Verse 7, and he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the kingdom the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. You've got to see this. It's a man in his 40s. 
never walked before. The Bible says he was lame from his mother's womb. That lets me know he's never walked before. He's never had the ability to do what he's doing. He's leaping. He's praising God. I believe he just was stricken with hysteria in such a way he was letting everybody know he was the center of attention because God had paid a visit through Peter and John. Not, a, not on the church service day. It wasn't on Sunday. They were just going at the ninth hour of the day to have, a, have prayer and commune with the Lord. Notice what happened. All the people... Everybody say the word with me, all, all. Come on, turn the volume up, all. All the people saw him. What was he doing? Leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that he was the one that had sat by the gate beautiful, begging for alms. But today he's not a beggar anymore. He's not laying at the gate depending on somebody else. He has the ability to work every facet of his body this, this day. He's able to walk. He's able to leap. He's able to get there with any, without anybody's help. And what a happy camper he is. Then truth began to go through the, uh, the, through the community that this man that had been at the gate beautiful all of his life was bringing a new amazement and wonder to their community. And verse 11 says, Now as a lame man who had been healed held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together with him on the porch, which is called Solomon's porch, and they were greatly amazed. Maybe you're here this morning and you're waiting for your new season. The Bible says, Be not weary in well-doing, and we all have weary moments. That's the reason we usually go to bed between the hours of 9, 10, 11, 12, and for sure by 1 o'clock. We're weary. Our bodies are weary. Many times we wake up, though, spiritually, and we're still weary because we're still toying with something that needs to happen, something we wish, wish could happen, and maybe something that hasn't happened. Waiting, as a, in a Christian, let me say this, is one of the greatest tools that we can use. What happens in our time of waiting? In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, notice this. There's, there's a three-phase message in this scripture that I had, had never seen until I was preparing the message this week. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. In our, in our young age, we feel that strength. We can mount up with wings as eagles. I mean, we've got this, we, the supers on our natural. We go to the gym. We work out. We, we take on tough jobs. We, we had the supernatural strength embodied in this life at a young age that will never return once you get some mileage on you. The Bible says you, will, you can mount up with wings as eagles. Notice when middle age sets in. You can run and not be weary. How many of us, if we had to run a block today, would run out of wind before we got to the end of the block? Well, those of you that are laughing are past middle age. I mean, you're high mileage. That age doesn't really count. Watch what he says. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's our, our young life. We can, we can run and not be weary. That's the time when we're kind of leveling off. And at the age when we can, don't feel like running anymore, we can still walk and not faint. I'd like to talk to you about that for a moment. No matter what stage of life you're in today, Hebrews 13, 
8 says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday. He's, a, he's the same God today that he was the day that the lame man was healed. The Bible says he's not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish. But waiting, waiting, this glass full of waiting is such a, such a, a, a thing to digest. It's not like water. Water is a common denominator. Everybody usually likes water. If not, they'll put a little flavoring in it and they'll call it tea. And if they don't like tea, they'll, put, they'll see Bill Morgan. He'll put some, some lemon to the drink. And I'm telling you, I didn't like water until Bill began to attend his church. And now I drink a lot of lemon water. You know what? It's still water. It just has a different flavor. It looks different. It's, it's yellow. But I'm telling you, I can, drink, I can drink that container today if it's flavored with yellow. And I'm looking for another bottle. There's something about the ingredients of water that our body needs. There's something about the ingredients of living water that our spirit needs because our spirit can become dry. Our spirit can get weary. Our spirit can, be, can get worn out simply sometimes just because we're waiting. I remember about five years ago in board meetings. You weren't there. I was. And the board began to say, you need to start looking for some help. They were so nice. They didn't address the fact that they thought I was getting old. (laughs) They just said I was needing help. Well, I had Ronnie Trammell. I'm telling you, when you've got Ronnie, you've got Goliath. What else did I need? (laughs) About every month or two, Pastor, you need to start looking for some people in these. You need to go to these seminaries, spend some time looking, looking at these resumes. I wouldn't know what a resume, a good resume looked like. Probably a, no different than a bad one. You can put anything on paper, can't you? Especially at tax time. Look, let's go on. Waiting. And all the time am I waiting? I thought about what God's word had to say. Waiting. Waiting. What does waiting do? Number one, the Bible says patience is a virtue. How many have been impatient many times, but you didn't express it? And boy, five minutes later, you were sure glad you didn't have to apologize for what you were thinking. Waiting was your, I mean, even though waiting was a real enemy, it was a lair that was piercing your spirit. Waiting paid off. Patience is a virtue. Patience is something we learn to Activate when we're not getting our way, when things aren't going our way, things aren't moving as fast. The old train just get not leaving the station as quick as we thought it should, and and sometimes the timetable gets lost. and And I'm telling you, waiting just is not always enjoyable. In the time of waiting, here's what I have found out: there are principles in God's word that are for those of us that were born with impatience. I was the oldest of four boys. I had a sister five years older than me. But I learned earlier in life, before I could even walk or talk, that I could cry till my mother would come to my rescue. She'd either bring me a warm bottle, she'd bring me a dry diaper, or she would hold me. And I began to cultivate early in age. I didn't have to wait. I just had to send out a signal. Hey, I'm needing some help. 
And I know you came from the same mold. Waiting in those, in those times are times, though, as adults, as Christians, that we can cultivate an attitude of growing in the Lord. Waiting, is, waiting has never been my cup of tea, but I've learned some principles about waiting. I can always keep a good book in the console of my truck. If I get caught, there's an accident ahead of me, there's something going on. And let me just be honest with you. When I hit Oklahoma City early of a morning going to a hospital call or for an appointment I have, I, walk, I drive a mile ahead of where I'm at because I know every exit as I, come, as I pass Morgan Road. I know where I can get off in case the traffic stops, shuts down in front of me. I can hit a service road and I can keep boogieing. I, don't, I just don't drive it. To, my, my mind is going a mile ahead of the grill of that pickup. I'm making provisions in case I have to get off. I'm still going to get there. However, sometimes I get caught in the middle of that mile. Sometimes the traffic shuts down and there's no exit. What do you do in those waiting times? I've learned to carry something good to read, something exciting uh, in the console of my truck, and I, I, I reflect upon that, especially if it's something like a, 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 a book with, with some good spiritual, some Christian scriptures in it, some scriptures in it that really feeds my heart, and it helps me to cultivate that time, and I can tell myself, I'm not wasting time. I'm growing in the Lord. I just pulled over so I could, Lord, I just thank you this morning. I, I didn't stop the traffic, but since I'm here, I'm going to talk to you. Lord, I just thank you for a good day we had Sunday and the people that was there. And I, I, I'm just grateful for the good things that are going on. In the process of time and waiting, though, there, here's a scripture that helps me. Jeremiah 33 and 3. When I'm really waiting on the Lord and I'm needing a definite answer, I remind the Lord, Lord, I, I know what your word has to say. You said call on me and I'll answer you. And I'll, and I'll show you things that you don't know anything about. And then that virtue of time, of waiting and seeking and searching, uh, and, and, and people reminded me, uh, you're, you're needing some help. I was waiting on the Lord, and, but the Lord knew that I had a search warrant going out that was invisible, but my eyes were on somebody that could come and become an associate pastor. Waiting on the Lord paid big dividends. Ten years before Jared got here, he was telling our district superintendent about his dreams and his goals and his visions and what he saw in pastoral duties and the ministry he had. He felt he had a, for rural America. And 10 years before he came here, the district superintendent looked him in the eye after he had been talking to him for a few minutes, and he said, I'll tell you where you need to be. You need to be at Elm Grove, America. 10 years. Guess what? One Sunday morning after, after a friend of mine had filled the pulpit, we went to the Crooked Era to have lunch. And I called him by name, and I said, I, I, I'm, I'm in need of a, a great associate and a youth pastor. He said, I already know who it is. He said, I heard the district superintendent tell him 10 years ago that's where he needed to be. One phone call, and he was here. He looked things over. He, he got excited about it. He said, can I bring Jenny over and show her? And the Sunday morning he preached, there were just a very few people that knew that he was really looking you over to see if he had wanted to spend some time hanging out with you people. I'm so glad you smile. I'm so glad you clapped. I'm so glad you laughed at his stories. I'm so glad, and it made him feel so good. He said, in the interview after that, he said, Pastor, I don't know whether this will help or hinder, but he said, I, you know, I grew up on a farm. He said, I, I don't know whether this will help me or not, but he said, I know how to slop hogs, and I know how to put hay in the top of a hay barn when it's 100 degrees in temperature. I said, you got the job. Waiting produced 
what we have today. The fruits of waiting. The fruits of waiting. I, I'm a very impatient person. I don't like to wait. But there's one thing I do. I, I, I take the responsibility as your shepherd to know that you deserve the best. I don't want somebody in here that will take advantage of you. I don't want somebody in here that will not love you in your, in your troubled times. I want somebody who cares, who has a heart and a passion for people. And you know, co college and seminaries are full of guys that are graduating. They have the, the placket to hang on the wall. I've been ordained with the AOGs. I, my credentials speak of where I'm at. I've got a great, great uh, education and, and I, I have the abilities to go out and set the woods on fire. But there's something about the heart. Sometimes it doesn't get the education that the mind does. And the heart of a shepherd comes from the Lord. Only God can give that implant because he's a great physician. He's a great I am. Waiting, waiting is, waiting is not my cup of tea, but I can tell you waiting pays great dividends. Most of you know we've been preparing to replace Carolyn. She's getting, she says she's getting close to retirement. I just say she's getting some miles on her. She's not, she's, she's still good. She, just, she still knows how to pay bills. She still knows how to write the checks for the church. We don't get any delinquent bills from the church, do we, Larry? No, no, I knew that. Guess what? We've just been praying. And there's a transition taking place. Instead of her leaving, her daughter and son-in-law plan to move to the ranch. They're going to build her a new home so they can take care of her. And she's not moving. E -e 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 -e. She doesn't want to be in the office five days a week, and I don't blame her. If you had to tolerate Jared and I and all of our challenges and all of our dreams and all of our wants, you wouldn't want to be in that office five days either. But you know what? She's given us time to plan. Waiting on the Lord pays dividends. I'm telling you, I don't care whether you're impatient or whether you're patient. Waiting on, on God has great, great dividends. And God wants you to know this morning that you're valuable enough that if you will wait until he works things out, Romans 8.28 says he will work things out for good because... He loves you. I know that there are times when we, maybe you're in the building this morning and you've waited a long time for, for a dream to come true. Maybe you've toiled and labored all your life and what seemed to be a dream has fallen through the crack. But in spite of all of it, God loves you. You may be here this morning and you may be like this bill that I hold. The Bible says, or the, or the government says it's worth $100. Do you know what? Everybody would like to have that $100 bill, I suppose. But even though that $100 bill looks like this, it still has value. You may be here this morning and you may feel like life has wadded you up in a tight knot. And you just don't see that the value that God sees in you. You can step on that. That, that $100 bill, you can make it as dirty as you want to make it. But when you pick it up, it's still worth $100. Can I tell you this morning, maybe you've been through the fire and the flood. Maybe you've been wadded up in life. And maybe your dreams and visions have been crushed. But you're still valuable in the eyes of God. And my message to you today is just wait on the Lord. 
He said he'll renew your strength. He'll give you the ability to mount up with wings as eagles. He'll cause you to run and not be weary. And he will cause you to walk and not faint. And my invitation is his, and is his invitation. And here's what he says today. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn of me, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you stand as we bow for prayer? Lord, I just thank you this morning for your awesome presence. You're always a present help in time of need. I'm thankful, Lord, that our burdens can never fill your hands because your hands are always bigger than our needs. You're not only a present help in time of need, but you said you could, we could cast every care on you because you care. Lord, sometimes the burden gets heavy. Sometimes the road gets rough. Sometimes, Lord, the nights become long as we ponder uh, where we're at and how we got there and what's left. But I can assure myself, Lord, as I do daily in the ministry, I have a friend who's promised never to leave me nor forsake me, no, many t no, no matter how many times I've fallen. I have a friend today that sticks closer than in my own flesh and blood. I can tell him everything about me and he already knows it. And Lord, I'm so glad today when my life was nothing but a pile of mess, only broken pieces and harbored feelings and anger, frustration and unforgiveness. You picked up the pieces and Lord, you've taken me places I said I'd never go and you've caused me to do things that I've would never have done. But you did it because you loved me and you had plans for me. I wonder this morning, as your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you just, you just can't think that life has been fair. Maybe you're here this morning and you just, everything you've tried to do has not had a good ending. Maybe you're here this morning and frustration just drives you to the point that there's days that things just don't matter anymore. You don't really care. You've lost your lease on life. And maybe you just decided life will be what it's already dealt to you and things aren't really gonna change. But this morning you're here not by accident, but you're here through the divine providence of God. And God wants me to speak to you and tell you it's not all over. It's not all over. Abraham and Sarah, Abraham was 100 years old. God had promised him he'd be the father of many nations. I can still wonder, Abraham, how did you wait 100 years before you ever became a daddy? Sarah was above the age of 90 years of age when she became pregnant. And with the promise of God, God sees through. Listen to me, God doesn't lie. He doesn't misrepresent anything. He's still the God of the great I am and he still has plans for you no matter what. He doesn't care where you've been or what you've done. He's interested, are you, are you willing today to say, Lord, I'll give you an opportunity to walk into my life. Lord, I'll take some time to wait upon you I'll not push or pull, but I'll wait, Lord, and I'll continue to stay occupied till you open the door for my life.
But until then, Lord, I just, I'm grateful this morning that the pastor's told me I'm still worth something in your eyes. Even though there's days in my life I feel worthless, Lord. All because of your word today, I depend on you. If that's you this morning, his heads are bowed, eyes are closed, can I see your hand as you raise it this morning so that I'll know to pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass anybody this morning. I just want to know so I can pray for you in the journey of life. Can I see your hand while we wait just a moment? God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Jesus. Would you take the hand of the one next to you this morning? And we're going to pray. Six or seven hands went up across this building this morning. And we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for those that raised their hand today. We're gonna pray the Holy Spirit implants within them a desire to wait on the Lord. To know that in waiting seasons, we can be full of joy. We can be full of cheer because in his presence, in God's presence, there's full of, fullness of joy. You're a refuge in the time of trouble. You can run to the refuge and find strength and courage today because he will comfort you and strengthen you. Let's pray. Father, you see the hands of those that have been raised in this building this morning. Lord, my desire is would you put a new dream in their heart this morning? I, I break that spirit of despair I, off of them. I break that spirit of disappointment. I, I break that spirit of helplessness, uh, helplessness off of them today. They may feel like they've been carried to the gate called beautiful today. Somebody brought them. But Lord, let them realize and know that you have plans for them. There's still somebody that can walk through that gate of their life called Jesus. And you can restore all the years of the canker worm. Lord, you said you'd restore. All because of you, Lord, all because of you. Oh, Lord, I pray. Let your spirit flood the hands, of the hearts of those whose hand was raised this morning. And if there are those here whose hands didn't go in the air, but yet they're, they're a candidate to hear the message today. Let them leave this building knowing that you're for them, not against them. Let them know that their greatest days can be ahead of them, not behind them. Let them lay aside the weights of sin that easily besets them so they, they can run the race that's set before them. Looking to you, Lord, you're the author, the finisher of our faith. We give all the praise to you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you today.